Welcome to Double Impact, the podcast where we double back at the movies that impacted us growing up as 90s kids and decide whether they hold up today or best left in the past. Really glossed over some words there, I think. Which ones? I don't know. Just made some noises that are... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got my Bobcat Goldweight. Oh, I always, his name? I always thought it was Bobcat Wildcat. I know, that always pops into my head since you said it. Yeah. Bobcat Gold Chain? Roscoe P. Cold Chain? Something. <laughs> You know who, who you knows? Mean. You know who you mean. My God, no, I don't know. Yeah, that was that was John Travolta. <laughs> that was John John Travolta doing an impression of Christopher Walken after a few too many drinks. <laughs> oh yeah, I do great impressions. My God, here's my Walken. <laughs> uh, well, right. This is what happens on a Sunday morning. It's a yeah. Sunday morning pod. It's pre nine a.m. Yeah, by some amount. Mm. It's uh, and even earlier in other time zones. Oh, can you believe it? Yeah, but we're stone cold sober with coffee in hand. Mm-hmm. Um, that doesn't stop us from making terrible jokes. That's right. So Clearly, there you have it. <laughs> um, I'm Greg. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we are off to a flyer. Yeah, um, which is good. I was asleep a few minutes ago. <laughs> <laughs> I still am. I, I had a little sleep drive over here. Oh, nice. <laughs> good. Well, hey, we're going to do Jumanji today. We sure are. Um, hey, before we talk about Jumanji, yeah, 1995 Robin Williams Jumanji, mm. of course, mm. let's talk about some other things. Let's talk about merchandise. Merchandise. Hey, not, not to put the hard sell on, but you know. There's new there's new arrivals in the merch store. Yeah. So we we thought it's our duty to let you know. So we have the double impact mug with an inspirational quote from Chad Wagner. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Keep going. Keep going. Uh, we've got the rap party, the Viper Room dad hat. Mm. It's a very attractive hat. My wife has adopted the hat. She's wearing it right now. Yeah. Seymour at the dog park. I won't tell her that locally. The Viper Room is Brisbane's number one brothel. Yeah, we didn't know that, did no. we? No. So I'll tell her if we ever go to Brisbane, but I think she's all right down here. Yeah, it's probably safe unless. It'll be fine. And then we've also got the What Would Rick Moranis Do dad hat as well. And thank you to all of those who have, have made purchases. Absolutely. Yeah. It's very nice. It is very nice. Yeah. I appreciate um, it. Friends of the show. Yeah, we're, we're delighted to see all those. We're going to see them in the streets now. Yeah, and a few people, uh, quite a few people opting for the friend, of the, the official friend of the show tea, which is Good choice. That's a premium price tag. It does. Um, but it gives a little bit more to the Double Impact Fund, which is very, very nice. It is a delight. So thank you. And if you've got it sitting there in your basket, hit <laughs> um, the checkout. Have a couple of drinks, then, then go back to yeah, Etsy. I find internet shopping much, much uh, – it's, it's – I spend more yeah. after a couple of tipples. Yeah. It's easier yeah. to click those <laughs> buttons. Click them. Hey, one more plug if I may. Yeah. Uh, Pop Critic. Yeah. New video up. Uh, Is it up yet? It will be. It will be by the time this goes up. Um, That's exciting. Something different. So the new Resident Evil game is about to come out and they released a little teaser demo playable thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and those things are infamously scary or infamously to me <laughs> scary. Uh, so I recorded myself uh, with with wife of the show Ara also watching, playing through it, and um, little P came out. I think. <laughs> Did you? I, you could have prepped with a Tina lady pad. <laughs> I should do that. That's not a bad idea. That's not a terrible idea. I'll do that next time. Like if you just like, it's like, 
Those people that go and play pokies for so long that they wee themselves so they wear nappies. Yeah. You can, yeah. It's like similar but more of a scare-based wee, but, you know. It's, it's, a, it's a performance yeah. Uh, aid. Yeah. But, yeah, I, don't worry. The, the channel's not turning into a gaming channel or anything like that. Um, the video's not super long. It's one of those demos. But what I why I wanted to include it is, A, because it's scary slash funny, but also I love how they promote these games because this thing is like a standalone game. It's not just like one level from the game like they used to do. And it's not just a trailer for the game. It's like a playable thing that just gives you the vibe. Ah, so it's custom built for a, as a teaser. Yeah. And it would be like if a movie, instead of releasing a trailer, just released additional content yeah. that existed within that world yeah. of the movie. But That's a great idea. It's a great idea, right? I think they've tried to do that a couple of times. You could give um, a little bit of flavour to the backstory. You know, sometimes exactly. you think you could have, could have got a bit more info out of the backstory. Exactly. And in the Resident Evil 7, they had a similar thing. You play through the demo and then when you get the real game, X amount into the game, you, you watch a VHS tape, which was what you did in the demo. So it's, it's connected mm. but it's not the thing. Smart. Smart. Very smart. smart. Yeah. I like it. Yeah. So that's there now. Go oh, check excellent. it out. Something a little different. And I forgot to switch on the microphone so the sound quality is a bit shit because it's just using the built-in microphone on the camera because I'm a damn fool. But you can't hear the Wii then. <laughs> exactly. That's why you did it. <laughs> it was raining outside if you hear any <laughs> pitter-patter of fluids. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that would be a lot of pee. Um, yeah. Speaking <laughs> of pee. Greg Way. Rain. Rain in Jumanji. A little mm. rain is good. Yeah, but a lot of rain can kill you. That's a line from the film. Is it? I think so. That were you getting your Robin Williams on in there? I don't know. Was I? Uh, I don't You could have. Uh, well, maybe I did. Maybe uh, I was. Harry. I can't do it. I can't. I don't think I can mm. either. See how we go. Can't quite get it. No, I can't do it. I turn into Stewie Griffin. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> uh, another side you know effect uh, impersonation. We've been fucking ourselves up because, uh, well, I'm not going to say we're great impressionists, Greg. Don't get me wrong. Mm, mm, but we definitely. haven't done any movies that we can do passable impressions of any for of them for a while. <laughs> and so that's why you end up with that. Mm. We need to do some Arnold soon. That's safe territory. Uh, <laughs> Make noises. Ah, uh. <laughs> uh, that's terrible. Hey, yeah. um, 1995 yeah. was the film year of release. Shall I take us back to 95 with a remember berry? Remember berry. It's yeah. actually, to be honest, I've used 95 as a bit of a starting point, but mm. I'm going to go through a few years as we're going to talk through the timeline of online dating. Um, oh. 1995 was the year that Match.com was released. Was the internet out yet? It was in oh, yeah. some early form. Right. Space Jam website and that kind of thing. Correct. Yeah. <laughs> um, Dancing Baby. It was the Space Jam website, Dancing Baby and Match.com. Correct. They used to sell matches, I believe. Did they? I don't think so. <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so it's pretty interesting because, I mean, I think you and I both, we, we were both in relationships pre-Tinder. Yeah. Did you ever use any of these? Not pre-match for me. No. Oh, actually, I did. I had a girlfriend in year six, and we held hands. Nice. Yeah. Um, did you meet her on? Yeah, I met her on Match.com. Match? Yeah. No, I think we met on the schoolyard playing a little handball there. Yeah, the old-fashioned way. Yeah. Well, did you know I can actually talk to – so, okay, what I'm going to do, I'll give a – a little bit of a timeline on some of the major introductions in this space. It's quite interesting. Yeah. It's followed a, a fairly typical 
you know, life cycle, business life cycle yeah. of an industry where you've got, you know, lots of new players coming in and a few amalgamations yeah. and then you got the Facebook and Googles of online dating in there. Right. Um, and the rest just fold. There was a period, you know, when like online ad targeting wasn't that great. Mm-hmm. I must have been sending some weird data signals out. No, not weird necessarily, but interesting data signals out because I kept getting targeted when I was living in the US with different dating sites, but like very specific ones. Like JDate? Like JDate, like blackpeoplemeet.com. Yeah, you, yeah, yeah. You, I don't think you fit any of the, either of the... <laughs> I don't. I'd never, I heard of JDate from Entourage when Turtle, oh. I think Turtle was using it. He's like, you're not Jewish. He's like, yeah, but whatever. <laughs> half the people there aren't. All right. So the earliest... Yeah, see if you can guess what year they think the earliest uh, sort of online, not, not online, but computer-based. Ooh. wasn't really a computer-based actually. Oh. So it was 1959. Oh, the Happy okay. Families Planning Services launched, uh, started by Jim Harvey and Phil Filer as a class project at Stanford and they used a questionnaire and an IBM, oh, they did use a computer, 650, <laughs> the old IBM 650, to match 49 men and 49 women. Wow, it's a Zuckerberg of his day. Yeah, I don't know what happened to those guys. You can't click on their name in Wiki. I'm in Wiki right now. Oh, right. uh, Which we love. And there was one date mate, a questionnaire-based thing came out in the 60s. So you're sort of seeing, you know, these type of things develop. Kiss.com seemed to be the first modern dating website. Came out a year before Match.com. Selling kisses. Yeah. The kissing, an online kissing I'm in the kissing business. (laughs) That could mean so many things. Get busy kissing or get busy dying. That's what they say. Yeah. So that's, that's 90, early 90s, mid-90s. And then J-Date was closely off the, um, on the heels of that in 97. Right. E-Harmony, which we've probably all heard of, mm. in 2000. I think my brother met his wife on E-Harmony. Right. There you go. There's a plug for the E-Harmony people. Yeah, system works. Yeah. Christian Mingle, the Christians were a little bit slow on the uptake. They went around till 2001. Whoa. Yeah. Um, and then shortly after that was a variation of that Hillsong Ringo. No, just kidding. Ashley Madison. Oh, we've all heard of Ashley Madison. Oh, yeah, they had a data leak, didn't they? They had a data <laughs> leak. All of them to have a data leak. Yeah, that's the one you don't want to have Oof. a data leak because that is the one that's set up, of course, for uh, facilitating affairs specifically. Life's too short. <laughs> yeah. Oh. Have an affair. Is that what that was their advertisement. That was their slogan. Oh, that's so icky, man. It's not nice. How do you even work there? Like how do you day-to-day – how do we get guys? <laughs> we need to <laughs> we get more people cheating. You get it. There's a market out there. Yeah. People love cheating. Oh my god! So then there's a whole. This is sort of like the 2007. This is kind of where it really blooms, oh, yeah. I guess. Oh, then you've got Grinder, of oh, course, yeah. focusing on gay, bi, and trans people. I think that's still very much in circuit. Mm. And there's one called Scruff. <laughs> Scruffy. It's like Grinder, but maybe a little bit. I don't know. Scruffier. Scruffier. Mm. Uh, they also have an HIV positive community within there, so that, tailoring to quite a niche. Um, right. Then you've got obviously Tinder in 2012. 2012, okay. Which is the year I met Carol. It's so interesting the how coincidence. Gr- Grindr existed and I think as straight people were like, oh, that's great, why don't they have that? And it takes so long to get to Tinder. Yeah. That's a cash cow sitting right there. Uh-huh. Wow. And then uh, Hinge, I don't, which one? Hinge, I don't know. Jay I've heard of that. J-Swipe, that sounds like a Jewish lens on Tinder. Good for them. Sounds See, like a they're, they're businessmen, they're on it. Yeah. I uh, like it. 
then there's a Bumble. I've heard of that one. I think that's yeah. the one where the, where the girls have to initiate. Yeah. Very interesting stuff. I'd love to see the stats on like, mar- oh, it probably hasn't been long enough yet, but how long. Successful marriages yeah, out of it? Successful marriages versus, yeah. It's a good question. There is um, roughly six in ten online daters say they have had an overall positive experience mm. from the uh, use. Yeah. Only a small share of Americans, this is American data, but it's a small share of Americans say they've been in a committed relationship or married with someone they met from an online dating site, 12%, um, which is, that's pretty good. Yeah. There's a good book by Aziz Ansari of all people. Oh, yeah. Called Modern Romance. He talks about this where it's the same thing as, you know, now that we have Netflix, we used to watch TV and whatever movie was on Sunday night, you'd mm. watch that movie and you'd have a relatively good time. Mm-hmm. Now we have Netflix and you – and oh, I was going to say Seamless, <laughs> um, Uber Eats, and you sit there scrolling through what are we going to eat, what are we going to watch for like two hours before yeah. you just end up putting the office back on. Yeah. And um, the same thing happens now with Tinder and that kind of thing, whereas our grandparents, you know, married the person that lived down the street. Yeah. <laughs> And now there's this crazy paradox of choice, choice paralysis going on. What else is out there? What else is out there? Swipey, swipey, swipe, swipe. Yeah, it's interesting you say that you gave the neighbours example because that was, I've got a sort of timeline from 1940 to 2020 on ah. how people met. And obviously online online is actually the highest percentage of how people meet. Wow. We're pretty old school actually. We both met our wives at work. We did. At the same workplace. At the same workplace. <laughs> Along with about, what, at least six of our other friends. Yeah. There's a good handful of them. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. it's the nature of the industry as well. Yeah. You throw a bunch of 20-year-olds with free booze. Yeah. And a lot of parties. Yeah. Nine months later, <laughs> babies. <laughs> not for us though. 13 years later, no babies. Yeah, I love it. Yeah. So anyway, that was just a little tidbit into the, the growing world of online dating. It's fascinating and, you know, inherently linked to Jumanji in many ways. Yeah. you got the… You're rolling the dice, really. It's a roll of the dice, the list goes on. But, you know, it's a, it was a big year, a formative year for the world of online dating. Mm. Um, a formative year perhaps for the modern blockbuster too. Mm. Yes, actually. Yeah, I mean, there's two movies that came out in the same year that's going to blow your mind mm-hmm. in 1995. Toy Story and Pocahontas both came out in 1995. <laughs> How is that possible? Wow. That's a callback joke that we haven't done in so yeah, long. That might, most listen. listeners probably have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, Die Hard with a Vengeance was number one. GoldenEye was number three. Toy Story was number two. Pocahontas yeah. number four. Batman Forever number five, which I'm itching to do actually. Um, number Batman six. Batman Forever. Yeah. Oh, wait, we've done that. I was thinking <laughs> of Batman Returns. Yeah. Apollo 13 at number six, seven was number seven. Wow. Number eight was Casper. Number nine, Waterworld. And number 10 was, of course, Jumanji. Jumanji! You got to yell it. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, that means nothing. Mm. There's been things where people have said over the years, it's actually Swahili for many effects. And the writer of the books like that doesn't mean anything. Mm. It's <laughs> I, just ma- I made it up. <laughs> it's a good way to word. Yeah, it's a great word. Coming up with words is n- not easy. Yeah, especially great ones. Yeah, good ones. Yeah, 
That's, yeah. That sound appropriate. Yeah, and not just merging two words. Flagentling. <laughs> that's a good one. What does that mean? Uh, anything. Oh. No, it actually means anything. <laughs> oh, of course. Mm. So it came out in December of 1985, good old-fashioned Christmas movie there. Yeah. Family season. It is a family children's movie, isn't it? Yeah. Budget of $65 million, a return of $262.8 million. It's top ten material globally we're talking here. It's mm. a big movie. Repeater, of course. A repeater, of course. It's undeniable. However, critically, not as high as our nostalgic goggles may have us believe. So critic score of 55%, audience score of 62 Yeah. Interesting. It was interesting. I reckon we'll probably talk about that a little bit, won't we? I think we'll talk about that quite a bit because my history with this movie, I might as well start there, is yeah. it's an interesting one. I've, it's just always been there. Mm. I've never been a huge Jumanji guy. Yeah. The book was quite special. Was it? And it was, it's not oh, like, oh, the book was better. Oh, the book was better. <laughs> no, it was just that. Uh, it's just that it was special. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm trying to unpick this because maybe it is related. I don't know who got in my ear about this movie not being good. Mm. Whether it was the, the – I remember the teacher reading us the Jumanji book. Oh, I didn't In like library class. Because really? this is all flooded back. Like a wave? Like a wave of emotions and smells. <laughs> <laughs> The sense of smell is most tied to memory or something. Oh. Yeah. But, you know, I, I forgot that this even happened, but we'd have library class, I think, and then they would read a book to us. Oh, yeah. And one of them was Jumanji. Come, come around, children. Yeah. And it was a really cool fucking book. It was a picture book and yeah. a few pages. Pop up or regular? Just regular but really detailed drawings and I like drawings. I think I was Oh, like drawing. Graham Bass? Well, I don't know. Remember Graham Bass books? Animalia yeah. and all those? Almost more like... MC Escher or something. Not not in terms of oh, the style, yeah, but right. in terms of the the black and white kind of quite technical Ooh. and realistic. But um, oh yeah, Animalia, right? That Graham was a cool book. Base. That was that was the book. Yeah, Greg just showed me a picture. And this other one, the Eleventh Hour. Yeah, yeah, yeah! Wow, we we'll get those up. I can't remember what any of them were about, but they're important. Yeah, they're just wild. Yeah, so I tried Regular to fi- settings. Not so, so similar to this, actually. Yeah. Yeah, and so when we read this book, if, I, if they're reading it to me in library class, I must have been, you know, Young. under 20. Yeah. And I imagine probably under seven or something. Like, so I wasn't yet at the pretentious stage of going, oh, the book's better. Like, I should have been pumped for a movie to come out. So I don't totally understand it. I tried to look up David and Margaret reviews because mm. I was probably starting to watch those maybe mm. at that age with my mum. Like, mm-hmm. And they, they didn't seem to review it. So I was trying to – who got in my ear telling me not to watch this? Like I remember being against it and I don't, I don't know what it was exactly. It might have been the librarian that read the book. I don't know. That's interesting. At, I think, the, at the actual time. At the actual even, time. Yeah. I remember there being some – I don't know if there was a bit of a revolt against the CGI-ness of it or something. I remember there being a lot of sentiment, a lot of, a lot of discussion around the monkeys and their purple mouths and mm. them looking pretty shit, which is probably fair. Um but, yeah, for whatever reason, I think I eventually saw it maybe once. Well, I know I eventually saw it, but probably not more than once. Maybe just on TV or something. I'm very, very curious about the rewatch. Yeah. Interesting. But we'll have to wait. But what about you, Greg? Yeah, this, look, this was I, – I didn't read it that I recall. Mm. Um, but you I, would have, Young Greg would have loved this book. You should yeah, get it. I will find it. I will, I will, I will. 
young Bruce, the next generation mm. of me. Um, yeah. Yeah, look, it was, I think I had a more positive experience with the movie in that I saw it. I don't remember, remember seeing it, but I remember it being a, like it was a big deal, the movie. It was massive. Like it was, it was wild, just the concept of the board game yeah. coming to life. Yeah. Whoa. Which is why the book I was like, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, conceptually it's awesome. And it works as, like it makes sense to make that a movie too. Yeah. Well, it's my problem. <laughs> <laughs> it was, yeah, we, I, I remember enjoying it. I remember it was scarier and heavier than, uh, yeah. you know, than probably was expected. That was, apparently was a thing at the time too. But yeah, it was interesting. Which like, crazy. I did rewatch it not maybe like ten, five years ago or something with Carol. Oh, yeah. And I remember thinking, whoa, this thing's pretty dark. More so than I, yeah. when I was a kid. I got a few. Let's save it for the rewatch. Yeah. I got a couple of those. Um, I think there's just a couple of things that are a bit dark. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <clears throat> we'll get into that. Um, but yeah, it was it was a big movie, and it was just uh, you know it was such a original and exciting concept. I think yeah. we all I think we all loved it. It was a, a little explosion of an original thought, mm. <laughs> which is rare, mm. and that's why they're still making it now. That's why they're <laughs> making that original thought now with, with The Rock. Yeah. And get this, Kevin Hart. What? I like the original Odd Couple. Aren't they? <laughs> I actually quite liked the first one. I yeah. really enjoyed it. <laughs> it might be better than this, to be honest with you. Oh, maybe. Yeah, we'll get into that. Yeah. I'm showing all my cards too yeah, early. Put, it, put your cards away, I'm as packing, they say. Packing my cards away. In the box. Right put now. your cards back in the little <laughs> cardboard box. Yeah. Which they came. Get in the box there. Should we get into the origin story? Yeah, I'm... I'm Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to press the button. Yeah. <laughs> Origin story. So, as I mentioned, this was a picture book, a lot older than I thought. I had always had the sense that this book must have come out around the time that I saw it because, you know, things don't exist before I know about them, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, not in your mind. I assume Ira didn't exist before I met her. Nope. Yeah. It came out in 1981. was the second book to be written and illustrated by Chris Van Olsberg. Now, he's quite a big deal because he also did the Polar Express in 1985. Mm-hmm. He also did a sequel to this book called Zathura. I'm not sure if you're familiar with Zathura. Mm, I think he, he used up all his good word energy. <laughs> well, Jumanji. hear me out. This, okay. was, this was like Jumanji but space version. Yeah, sounds spacier. Yeah, yeah, it does, right? So it's still a good invention of a word to have some yeah, kind okay. of vibe to it. Okay. It's Swahili for space. Oh, right. <laughs> but that was made into a movie too ah. in 2005, but not as a sequel to this, which I have some thoughts on, which I'll get to. But it's, a, it's an it? early John Favreau movie. Um, <sighs> the kid from Hunger Games is in it and I think Kristen Stewart's in it. Uh, the kid from Hunger uh, Games as in what's her name? No, uh, the, the boy, the yeah. little guy. Um, Donald Sutherland. Of, yeah, Donald Sutherland, I think. Yeah. <laughs> and Dax Shepard, I think, is an astronaut. Oh, good. Good old Dax. Good old Dax. He's got a podcast. He does. Gets a few more, probably a couple more listeners than us. <laughs> a couple. Somewhere between us and Rogan, he sits. <laughs> yeah. Technically. Technically, you're right. <laughs> um, this so. was the second book he ever wrote. Wow. So this guy, he was a sculptor. Ah, so the same way a bodybuilder slaps on some clay on the shoulder, slap on some clay on the sculpture. Can I tell you a, a very quick random anecdote that you just reminded me of? Oh yeah, I, I once met a guy who um, 
a sculptor. Yeah, mm. he was like, oh, I'm an actor and a sculptor. Oh, wow. And I'm like, wow, that's a very specific mix of things. Mm. Well, actually, they're not dissimilar at all. Thinking, thinking wow, what a tosser. <laughs> um, he's actually the son of a very prominent Australian artist. Right. So this guy, he's, oh, they're, they're, they're interesting combinations. Well, actually, it makes perfect sense because as an actor, I'm always having to strip myself back and to form new shapes by paring away at who I am. Whereas with sculpture, I'm adding and I'm adding things together to create. So effectively, they, they, they balance perfectly. This is like Hans Moleman talking about eat, eating an orange. Well, yeah, it was. The eating of an orange. <laughs> what is it? It's a lot like a good marriage. Yeah. <laughs> Shut up and eat the orange. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. So you needless to say that that was pretty much. The How'd way. you get out of that conversation? I think I, at that point I walked away. <laughs> Just like turned around and hmm. jetpacked out of there. Yeah, that's the right thing to do. They need to learn. Yeah, <laughs> you know, podcasting is uh, it's a bit like sculpting of an orange <laughs> of an orange. Yeah. Sorry. So I just I couldn't I couldn't miss the opportunity to um, to share that when you said this guy was a sculptor and an author. Yeah. Well, he wasn't an author just yet. Oh, he was just sculpting. From constraint comes new ideas, comes innovation because he was a sculptor in, I guess, a a cooler climate and in his studio his landlord was quite frugal and would turn off the heating at 5 o'clock in the afternoon. But he'd want to work late because he's a creative type. You don't stop. Creativity doesn't stop. It's like sculpting. You're constantly stripping away like an actor. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Like a stripper. You could say, is he a stripper as well? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, because it's very similar. Yeah. It's reverse sculpting. Yeah. Oh, no, it is sculpting. you got to sculpt and then strip. Yeah, yeah. But it got so cold at night he wasn't able to do sculpting, basically. Mm. So he's like, what else could I do? Uh, I tried drawing. It's like, hey, guess what? I'm pretty good at drawing. Son of a bitch, I hate these people. <laughs> um, so good at drawing, his mates are like, well, why don't you sign up with a publisher and like illustrate for some books? And he looked into it and he's like, but all the books suck. I don't want to draw bunnies with backpacks and shit. I want to draw cool, dope shit. Mm. So he makes his own book. Bunnies with beanies. Yeah, with the ears poking out. Yeah. yeah. That's cool. Bunnies wearing basketball jerseys. Oh, there you go. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> it's a slam dunk of an idea. It really is. Anyway, he thought the books were lame. He wanted to make his own shit. And the first book he made, the first book he wrote and illustrated was called The Garden of Abdul Ghazazi. Nice. Working title. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it stuck around. Um, it was a massive hit, won awards. Oh. It has been optioned to be made into a movie, I think, like last year or something. Okay. So it's going to happen. Starring The Rock. I assume. Mm. And get and this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kevin Hart. Oh, yeah. what a what a One funny a, what a funny combination. Because you've got to visualize this. One's really big, mm, huge, and the other one is it's quite petite. Yeah, one's got a deep voice. One's yeah, quite high. It's like a it's like a Chihuahua and a Rottweiler. Ah, uh-huh. it's genius. Yeah, genius. Yeah, I like it. Interesting. So he's like, "Fuck, maybe I got some. There's something something going on here. I'll write a second book." And the way he came up with this idea, so the thing is, I can relate to this. Mm. He says the way he comes up with his ideas, he says as an outsider looking in, you'd think I'm just taking a nap on the couch, but he's literally, he lies there on the couch, stares at the ceiling, he just thinks about stuff. And mm. often his wife will like say something, it's like, okay. shut up, babe, I'm working. Yeah. <laughs> I'm working here. 
I know. I kind of know that feeling because yeah. I do that. I'm always in my head, even yeah. with like the day job stuff. I'm yeah. often process, thinking about ideas and shit yeah, huh, for work, uh-huh. and I'm in the zone. But no one, it's not their job to know that I'm doing that. Yeah. <laughs> but for me, I'm in it. But I can relate to that. So that's how he does it. Yeah. But anyway, on this particular day, he was pondering board games and how he found board games, dare I say, quite boring. Mm. So I wrote the story as an adult but I had recollections of feeling kind of a disappointment when I played board games when I was a kid. I had a decent imagination but there was still something vaguely disappointing about playing Monopoly and not having real money. He's got a good point. That sort of thing. And so I thought, wouldn't it be interesting if there was such a thing as a board game which did not require the imagination of the players because everything that happened on the board game actually came to life, happened in real life. So that was kind of the starting point and then I thought about different kinds of games and I sort of hit on a jungle game because I thought the combination of jungle perils inside your house would be a provocative combination. Mm. So he pumps out 32 pages. That's all that's in there, 32 pages. Each page is just one super detailed picture, picture, yeah. of, you know, a monkey on a kitchen table yeah, and like one line, 32 pages, that's it. I like, I like his approach. Yeah, so good. Gives you more couch time. Yeah, and actually I think when I was looking at it, I think most of his books are like exactly 32 pages. Is that a thing? Is that a format? I don't know. I don't know. Is that just like a personal quirk? Uh, anyway, a, a film industry guy, uh, I guess he's a producer type or a guy that just buys up rights to things. Joel Silver? Not Joel Silver, Peter Goober. Good name. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, he optioned the book. I couldn't get a number mm. how much for, but mm. I got a, a – I hope he made some cash out of this because this is a billion-dollar franchise now. Mm. I think he was treating him okay because he seemed to be a fan. He let him write the first draft of the screenplay as well. So he was invo- it wasn't one of those ones where it's like, oh, I got the rights, fuck off, ha-ha, <laughs> see you later, guy. Mm. It was like, yeah, we'll make this thing together kind of thing. Mm. So he wrote the initial screenplay. Well, that's refreshing. Um, yeah, but I believe that was probably not that close to what we ended up with. I think a lot of the initial ideas of how you would the things you'll need to add to make this a movie beyond the 32 pages I think initially came from him but then I think it got a lot of rewrites because they got TriStar on board to finance the thing on one uh-huh. condition and that condition was if they could get Robin Williams. Yeah. And Robin Williams to that initial script said nah. Oh. Yeah. So then He was they, looking for more of a flubber. <laughs> it seems that way. Um yeah, I mean, it was, so it was all hinging on getting Robin Williams, which makes sense because this is 95, Hook was 91, Aladdin was, was 92. Aladdin. Aladdin was 92. Mrs. Doubtfire was 93. So he, this is really this is Robin Williams' world, man. Oh, man. We're just living in it. Yeah. Um, so he declines that first version, but then they get director Joe Johnston, who we've covered before with yes. Honey, I Shrunk the Kids, uh-huh. which makes sense. Yeah. Of course you'll get Joe Johnston. Makes perfect That's sense. That's actually great. And the screenwriters, Jonathan Hensley and Greg Taylor. No relation. The three of them kind of stayed up all night trying to figure out how to rework the script so Rob Williams would like it. And he did. Now, I, I couldn't get my hands on what those changes were. I mean, obviously it's what we ended up with, but mm-hmm. I don't know what it changed from yeah. to. What, yeah, what got him across the line? I don't know. I don't know. Because it's, it's not like it's a typical Robin Williams movie in some ways. Like there's, there's no impressions or zaniness <laughs> in mm. terms of his performance really. It's kind of straighty 180. He did say that he found, had a connection to the character 
with the some of the, with the dad with the dad and yeah. some of that general upbringing. I wonder if they added that. Maybe interesting. Yeah. Uh, but Robin's on board and then things just move really quickly then. You get the rest of the cast. You get Bonnie Hunt as Sarah. You get Kirsten Dunst as Judy. You get Bradley Pierce as Peter. Bebe Newworth as Auntie Nora. Is it Bebe? I was going to ask you. <laughs> or Beeb. Beb. Did you just say meme instead of meme? Meme. I did. I'm going to – let's go with Bebe. Bebe. Yeah, Bebe. <laughs> I like Bebe. I've always thought she's kind of hot. Yeah, she is. Fraser's wife, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. She's kind of hot. Yeah. She's kind of a bebe. She's kind of a beb. She's a bit of a beb. Bebe's a beb. Yeah. I'm in. Like, this is your auntie. He's going to be looking after you from now. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Nice. Um, <laughs> Jonathan Hyde is, is, ah. as Daddy Parrish and, get this, the hunter. That's right, yeah. Van Pelt. Is that an allegory? Montessori. <laughs> Story. <laughs> Uh, and David Allen Greer as Carl Bentley. There were some there were some bullshit precasts on this, so I skipped over. The only legit one I think was Scarlett Johansson yeah. for Kirsten Dunst's role. The rest were just like they also considered for Allen every male actor every, at the time. Yeah, fuck you, IMDb trivia. Yeah. Do something. Yeah, do something. I always Kirsten Dunst. Uh, I always get used to get her confused with Julia Stiles. Oh yeah, probably not so much now. No, not but there was so much probably now. an age where they were. I don't know. Overlapping. The white women all look the same. Yeah. <laughs> Am I right? Yeah. Um. Oh, yeah, I don't know. I used to. She started acting very young. Kirsten Dunst. She'd already won an Oscar at this point, hadn't she? No. Uh, I don't yeah, know. Yeah, Interview with the Vampire. She won an Oscar for that. I think so. Maybe yeah. a Golden Globe. Maybe she, a Golden. Yeah, Globe. she'd already done that, and like. Maybe six other movies or something. Yeah. She's a proper child star. She's a veteran, bro. Good on her. Good on her. Yeah. I like her. She's yeah. good. Yeah. She's um she seems like a nice person. There's this show, fuck what's it is. called? There's a there's a TV show Letterman. she's in now that she's she's pretty good and she's great at it. She's um yeah, she's having an interesting uh new era in her career on mm. the on the telly. You can't remember the name oh, of the show? I just looked it up on you. Yeah, the TV show's called On Becoming a God. Oh, but also I think she's in Fargo season two and she's really good in that. Mm. And she married Jesse Plemons, who's an actor that I think is a – Jesse Plemons. He's one of those actors, man. Big deal. Big fucking deal. Oh, that guy. Yeah, he's good. He's always yeah. very compelling. I find him a little scary. Yeah. He's a mad creep. He, he's great. He's mm, just great. Yeah. Good um, for him. Anyway – they got these people in front of a camera, a few blue screens, maybe some yeah. tape to look at. That's, hey, that's gonna, gr- any green screens as well? Gr- maybe some green screens. Mm. Uh, that's going to be a monkey. That's going to be a, a rhino. Bish bash bosh, you go self movie, right? Party the Viper Room. Mm. Yeah. Beautiful. Yeah, play the trailer. But not for all of them because um, a lot of them are underage. So yeah. it might have been a Chuck E. Cheese situation. Yeah. Yeah, could have been Chuck E. Cheese. Robin knew how to party though. He sure did. <laughs> Uh, probably not then. I think it was quite good at this point. It cleaned up a bit. Yeah. Got some stories, behind the scenes stories. There's a game called Jumanji that has a life all its own. You have no idea what you are getting yourself into. An ancient game where the primitive spirit of the jungle can leap out and take hold of your world. I've seen things you can't even imagine. Things you can't even see. 
And those who have ever played the game know the dangers that lie within. You're afraid. It's okay to be afraid. I am not afraid of anything. Prove it. jungle in there oh jungle in yeah there. that's good it's a subtle trailer it was wasn't it mm. i liked it though yeah i'm liking the i like the variety of trailers we get i think that was still la fontaine mm. um a dialed back don yeah maybe a morning morning don might be the morning don <laughs> the old morning don a morning don have you done your morning don yet i haven't <laughs> Did mine? Yeah, it's a problem. Yeah, because you're drinking the coffee. Better right coffee, now. and I gotta go shopping after this. <laughs> All right. Um, well, not a bad trailer, but um, you know, this is not a very big movie. No one's ever heard of it, so mm. uh, people probably want to know. Well, what actually happened yeah. in this movie? Yeah, um, let's get that out of the way. Yeah. Well, I got truth is stranger than fiction, and this is obviously. I assume it's a true story. Oh yeah, one um, can assume. Yeah. So I will. Quickly go over the the plot, which mm. is pop we're probably all familiar with. Just a small town boy <laughs> living in a lonely world. Yeah, got the midnight train going into old Jumanji town. Is this because Ira said you sound like Steve Perry? It's a coincidence. <laughs> I had actually already written that. Oh wow! Yeah. Okay. So it's all coming full circle. So you continue. He does go on a journey. Yeah. So yeah, you got a boy in a little town. He's getting bullied. He's got mm. one chick friend. Boys all beat him up, which mm. is weird because his dad's like the boss of the whole town. They've got the shoe factory there. Yeah, he should be the asshole. He should be the bully. Yeah, he's the rich kid. Mm. Don't take any of that. You, could, you got the best shoes. Yeah. They've got the Paris shoes. Just keep on running. It's keeping this town alive. Yeah. That sign's still there in Maine or whatever. It is. It is. They put a little mural up. Yeah. Um, so his name's like Kevin or something. and um, <laughs> Alan. Alan. And... Uh, <laughs> He finds a board game on an old construction site on his way home from being beat up. Yeah. So naturally he starts playing it and it turns out the little bits move themselves. It's very high tech. Mm. And then all the weird stuff starts happening and the game basically comes to life. Mm. Got the... You want to think about this game though. Usually these games is like sometimes you get a good thing. <laughs> There's no good There's things. There's no good things. Yeah, like a banana. Like pass, go and collect $200. Yeah. In bananas. I was trying to think of jungles. Yeah, 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 there you go. Yeah, there was nothing. So It's a shame. It is a bit of a shame and it makes it harder to believe. And now Believability I, takes a dip at that point. Yeah. Now, I didn't, I didn't reread the book because, you know, I didn't have time to read 32 lines. <laughs> 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 Copy. But I don't think it was as 
nasty. Mm. Like the monkeys came out and stuff, but I don't think they were like they didn't throw poop evil at you. monkeys. They were, you know, larrikins or whatever. Yeah. But they weren't. Evil, I, I might remember this wrong. Monkey. I'm pretty sure no one mosquitoes went out there killing people. Mm. That was that was the. I reckon for me personally the scariest part. Mm. Imagine giant mosquitoes, man. Uh, I don't mm. like mediums. I don't like – Yeah. if I see a big one that's tiny, I'm like, Ooh. I see things like this and it just makes me realise how fortunate we are as humans that mm. we ended up the size we are. Yeah, yeah. Imagine – because that woman I assume was dead, right? The yeah. car had crashed and they pulled her out of the car and she just had a mozzie bite on her forehead. Yeah. but. The dude would have drained the blood out of her yeah, brain. right in the forehead. Yeah, you're dead. You wake up dead. You're going to go to bed dead. Yeah. So uh, the spider's not a big deal for me. The mosquitoes. Yeah, oof. those spiders also looked a little bit. They look pretty fake. And my house, man, I told you about my spider situation. Mm. Huntsman, size of my fist, had about 100 babies. Woke up one morning and there's just 100 baby spiders all over the lounge room. Now, I've killed most of them, most of them. <laughs> but there's been a few survivors and they're growing up. So every now and then- And they're going to want revenge. <laughs> yeah. It's like that film you Arachnophobia. Their whole family. <laughs> exactly. It's genocide. It's pretty bad. I feel guilty about it because I have this mixed emotion things. I mean, if there's 100 babies, I've got to get rid of them. But with having, Huntsman's, I know they're not going to hurt me. I so it is an irrational thing. I, I have a bit of arachnophobia. They don't come in this room. It's just the volume and the, yeah. all those legs. And so the babies are growing up now and so we're getting these medium-sized huntsmen's popping up. I'm not sure how many have made it through. So needless to say, I'm getting a little bit used to it. They're my friends. Yeah, I used to give them names when I was little and helped. <laughs> helped. I like – I have a soft spot for them but then if they're in my bedroom, man, I can't deal Mom with Mum sent me a photo of a huntsman today by her bed going, oh, what do I do here? Dad tried to get it and it ran under the bed. Yeah, that's exactly what happened to me. So the what I assume is the, the daddy or mama of all these, that was Ara had saw the big huntsman in the lounge room. I had just gone into the lounge room. I said, babe, I'm going to bed. I've got to get up early tomorrow. And she's like, no worries. I just saw a huntsman though. And I was like, I'll just let it be. It's fine. As long as it's not in the bedroom, we're good. And I go up to the bedroom and it was right there next to the bed. I was like, fuck I you. I don't like him next to the bed. Yeah, I can't deal with that. And so I tried to get it and it went under the, <laughs> under the bed. And so I sprayed everything in the room and we slept downstairs. <laughs> and we burnt the house down. Yeah, yeah. We don't use that room anymore. Yeah, it's yours. Uh, so mosquito, <laughs> moral of the story is giant mosquito, scarier than giant spider. Yeah, giant mosquito is pretty bad. It's fucked. It goes through a windscreen. Yeah. They should have saved that for later because I think it's the genuinely the scariest part of the whole fucking thing. One thing, Crocodile perhaps. some of them, because the vault, there's so much going on, it kind of doesn't give you time to absorb how hectic it is. That's true. Yeah, I agree. Because there is a lot. There's a lot. There is a lot. I don't know how they survived. <laughs> I was thinking that too and I, I do think they did a good job of this. The, in my head I'm like, just keep rolling because you just – it's just mm. a game where you just keep going forward, just mm. keep rolling and get it yeah. over with. But then they keep losing the board. They did a good job of making that hard to do. Um, and overall, I guess overall thought I would say is they did a good job of translating a 32-page book into a movie. I like the the mm. book ending of the young Alan and then when they fix everything, yeah, future Alan and Chica together and the kids' parents survive. And that's quite a nice ending that mm. I did not remember at all. Yeah, he um, still didn't get... 
But he goes back in time. So does he go back in time mm. to when he's a kid and know what it's, it's like to have lived a 25, 30 years in a jungle? And I think so. And I quite like that because I had in my notes, I, I assumed they weren't going to do that. And I'm like, so this guy just never gets to, mm. he gets out, but then he's, what is he going to do with his life now? Because, you know, I've talked about this with time travel movies. I, I hate how Back to the Future, mm. all, not just Back to the Future, pretty much every time travel movie, they change something in the past, they come back to the future, everything's changed. Maybe they have the hot wife now, but they don't even remember how they met. So yeah. it's like, what kind of life is that? Yeah. Well, so I do like, <laughs> it's not the worst life, don't get me wrong. But um, I like how he gets to then go back yeah. and then they live the life. And so he lives the He's, life of a man who's already been 40 or so. He can build a, a nice little hat out of a banana leaf. He can. And maybe a turtle shell? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, and so overall I was like, hey, this is it's not a bad movie. Mm. I don't love it. Mm. It's all right. It's not bad. Mm. Um, it's better than I thought. There was more... It's like well-structured. It's a good way to make a movie out of this book, as, yeah. as I mentioned. Um, I had a big question for you. Oh, yeah? Because, uh, you know, you are a resident FX guy. Oh, yeah. Uh, talk us through you. <laughs> by, by default. Yeah. <laughs> uh, talk us through your take on the FX. It's a real mixed yeah. bag. It's, it is, isn't We're it? in that awkward stage. Cocophony. Where it's, we're, we're post-Jurassic Park. Jurassic Park is a textbook, textbook yeah, example yeah, of yeah, using just what works. Mm. There was lots of practical in that, but they use CGI in the right way to just augment it and whatever. Um, uh-huh. This one, I think they thought were a bit further along than we were. But some of the some of it was good, man. Like the elephant walking over the car, I think was pretty good. Mm-hmm. It's aged, but it's pretty good. The monkeys were bad. Yeah. The monkeys were bad. I thought the line was surprisingly good. And I was trying... I was genuinely like, oh, maybe that was a real lion in parts. I know they had a puppety lion. You yeah. could tell when it was the puppet. Yeah, lion on the bed was pretty good. Yeah, there were parts where I'm not sure maybe they did use a real lion real? for parts. But then there were parts where I'm sure it wasn't real, but it looked pretty good. So I think I've been watching all these videos with Corridor Crew, those guys we talked about in the Tron episode, mm. and they break down a lot of these things. There's so many tricks for old CGI to work within the limitations. So I think it's all about light source and things that makes it look shit. Mm. Um, so maybe that one they just did well. But it's industrial light and magic. It's the guys that know the, it's, they're it's, doing. It's the guys. It's the guys. Maybe they didn't have a lot of time for the monkeys. And this guy's the guy, the director. Yeah. Well, then that, when I saw it was that guy, I was like, man, imagine a, a beautiful Honey, I Shrunk the Kids or practical effects style version mm. of this movie. That would yeah. be nice. That would be nice. If it was made five years earlier, they probably would have done that. Yeah, that would have been cool. That would have been real cool. Oh, yeah, I shrunk the kids into Jumanji. Yeah. <laughs> Would you say that board game's almost like a character in this movie? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It really makes you think. A real evil character. He's <laughs> a real son of a bitch. Um, I wonder what's bigger, the the bee in uh, – oh, the bee. Yeah. Yeah, it's a pretty big B. The B in Sunny I Shrunk the Kids. Again, that's another movie that makes me think, well, Jesus, lucky humans turned out the size we did. So is this what Joe Johnston does? He's got, yeah, he's. It's like, you know, those little things, let's make them big. He's lying (laughs) on the couch thinking about big things. He sure is. He sure is. Oh, a little, another thing I liked, I guess, was the character of the hunter, um, Hmm. uh, Van Pelt. And I did like how he upgrades his gun to that. Crazy thing. Mm-hmm. But in that scene when he's getting his gun. Yes. Uh, and the guy says, hey, you the, 
You know, the postal worker, are you? That's a real time capsule thing, isn't it? Remember how it was like going postal was a real thing oh, in the yeah. 90s? And it was even a joke on Seinfeld when they find, Newman finally reveals what he does. He's like, I'm a United States postal worker. Let me ask you something. What, what do you do for a living, Newman? I'm a United States postal worker. <laughs> Aren't those the guys that always go crazy and come back with a gun and shoot everybody? Sometimes. Why is that? Because the mail never stops. It just keeps coming and coming and coming. There's never a let up. It's relentless. Every day it piles up more and more and more. And you've got to get it up. And the more you get out, the more it keeps coming in. And then the barcode reader breaks. And it's publishes clearing out. All right, all right, all right. But anyway, I looked into it. Why, like, why is that even a thing? Surely mm. there weren't that many postal worker massacres. Mm. I was wrong. It really is. It indexes high for shootings. Really? Yeah. Falling down, he wasn't a postal worker, was he? I can't remember. No, he just wanted Egg McMuffin or something, didn't he? Yeah. Um, yeah. So going postal, in 1998 the United States Congress conducted a joint hearing to review the violence in the US Postal Service. In the hearing it was noted that despite the Postal Service accounting for less than 1% of the full-time civilian labour force, 13% of workplace homicides were committed at postal facilities Ooh. by current or former employees. Isn't that crazy? It's 1% of the civilian workforce, 13% of workplace homicides. Yeah, that's, that's not That's bizarre. Not great. There, there, there should be some – someone needs to investigate that. There's a Charles Bukowski book uh, called Post Office and he basically worked in one actually. So yeah. I think it was his first book, his first like actual novel. Right. And it just chronicles his years in the post office. Right. It doesn't I could see how it could drive you a little crazy. According to Men in Black, most – Postal workers are aliens. Yeah, well, that's a good to point. Do with it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Um, High pressure job without great like conditions. Mm, mm. Mm. So that's weird. And then I've read an article saying, because we don't really use that phrase anymore. Mm. And I read an article, uh, I skimmed an article, let's be. Sorry, <laughs> I, I, I glanced over a headline. <laughs> I saw the parts I, uh, that validated my thought. Um, <laughs> yes. We don't use that phrase anymore. And it's not necessarily because postal workers shoot less people. It's just more that everyone's shooting people. Yeah. So it's like just a sad state yeah. of affairs. Yeah. Because, man, like schools and shit. <laughs> like, <Yeah>. fuck. So <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah, that's. It's, uh, it's really something. Oh, I've got here in my notes. Yeah. Bebe's a bit of a babe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Fraser did well. Yeah. He does have a lovely voice. He does. It is very soothing. And, you know, he's a, like, talkback doctor. The greatest casting of Kelsey Grammer of all time was in X-Men 2 or 3, I think, when he played the Beast. Oh, that was good. It was perfect. That's perfect. Is it? I don't know enough. I mean, I didn't know that. Other than the cartoon, I'm basing it on my watching Instinct. the cartoon as a kid. It's perfect. Yeah. Why did they get that Nicholas Holt now? Who's that? It looks like a little fur baby. When oh, yeah. It yeah. Little, yeah. It's shit. It's shit. It had its time in the sun, didn't it? It did have its time in the sun. They were the guys. Hey, so we talked about the hunter and we talked about the, his, his gun. We talked about him going postal. Mm. Something else I want mm. to talk about with his hunter. Yeah. He is played by the same guy that plays the dad. That's right. Who, it, what does it all mean? Who was born in Brisbane? No. He was Australian. What? That Jonathan Hyde. He's Australian. I didn't know. I love when there's these low – because you know how 
the last He's lived 10 to 20 years, there's, uh, you know, some Aussie yeah, stars yeah. that have really made it, uh, taken over Hollywood. Mm, but I love mm. hearing these ones from yesteryear. Yeah. Well, he, just low he did spend, I think he moved to England when he was maybe about 20. Uh, it's like the Bee Gees. He went to school here. Oh, yeah. He wasn't here for Expo 88. He wasn't. Oh. Because I would have thought that he could have, that would have been interesting. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but it wasn't to be. But it wasn't. He was in Anaconda. Sure was. Mm. He's also... Giles Cadbury or something like that. Oh. Richie Rich. Is he? He's the butler slash wow. concierge slash just he does everything. Richie Rich had his own McDonald's. Oh. I think Trump did too. Yeah. You know, Joe Biden got rid of Trump's um, Diet Coke button. Yeah, Diet Coke button. I think in the desk, I'm, well, I'm filling in some of my own gaps here. Yeah. But apparently I think on the desk or something is a, a button to order Diet Coke. Oh. Now, I did say that, all right, this is one of those things where you say, oh, Trump did that. It's like, oh, typical Trump. But if you if you said Obama did that, you'd, you'd like, probably yeah, be like, cool. that's pretty clever. Yeah. <laughs> I want a button. Yeah. Babe, get me a button. <laughs> so context is everything. It is. It Speaking is. of context, what is, why, what's going on here with the playing two characters? Is, does it all mean something like a, like, a, like a Wizard of Oz situation or does it mean nothing like an Eddie Murphy situation? I've got some thoughts. Okay. Actually, I don't. The internet did because I felt like it meant nothing. But um, <laughs> I found a theory that uh, the theory is that the hunter is a manifestation of Alan's fears. Uh, yeah. So, which I thought was interesting because isn't that also what happens to Robin Williams in The Fisher King? Couldn't tell you. When I'm pretty sure in The Fisher King, a movie I saw way too young. Yeah. Um. He's like a crazy homeless man, like PTSD or something from his wife getting killed, and he keeps seeing this man on a horse chasing him, oh. which is almost like a hunter manifestation of his fears. So that's kind of weird. Yeah. That movie came out before this. Maybe that's what got him in. Maybe. I just said the Fisher King. Can you make a ball like the Fisher King? Mm. Is it a connected universe? I don't know. Um, but yeah. this theory yes. Yes. this theory is ultimately that the hunter Van Pelt takes the form of the th- takes the form of the thing you dread the most. So there's a Reddit theory by wow. a Redditor named Hello Giggles, I think. Keep going. Hello Giggles. Mm, okay. That's so there's some strange names out there. Now he's they say, I suggest Van Pelt is a subconscious rendering of what Alan wanted to be inside the board game. Oh no. The Redditor was CNOS originality. I think Hello Giggles was the website. Um, Van Pelt is a strong, fearless British hunter that could be the symbol of sophisticated masculinity, something that Alan lacks as a child and it's something his father wants him to have. The game's sequence of events is also very important. Alan rolls the dice, then Sarah rolls. Wild plants appear in the parish house. Only then does Van Pelt appear. The illusion of Van Pelt is brought to life by the plants from those wild Jumanji it's weird typos, it's Reddit, from the, I don't know, let's say spores from those wild Jumanji plants. So this idea that there's this chemical toxin potentially that can take all your fears and insecurities and manifest into the physical world, that sounds like something that could happen inside the world of Jumanji. So I think they did say, yeah, I think there's, there's a bit of connecting some dots that aren't quite there, but there are plants that have some weird poisony things going on. Oh yeah. So you could see how that works. I would buy into this more if, if no one else saw Van Pelt, but they did. Mm. So it would be interesting if only Alan saw him and it was just a, yeah, Fisher King situation. That could have 
tightened it up a notch, I reckon. Yeah. That could have been not bad. I like it. Because um, it is a bit like the board game is like a character in the, in the Well, movie. you could, yeah, you could say it's one of the main characters. Yeah, yeah. The fifth lead. The fifth. Ah, oh, the fifth lead. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, hey, dog. Someone's been swimming. Sorry, just had a quick visit from Seymour and we're back. So, A, that would have been a good improvement, I think. I mean, it's a bit, but it's that kind of movie. Mm. It's a bit cliche, but whatever. But also that I don't know what we're supposed to think of the dad. He was kind of a dick, I thought. He was a dick, but then you're like, yeah, he really loved that son. No one cared as much about his son as that guy. But then does that make it okay that he was a dick to his son? I don't know. Maybe maybe that's the point, I guess, that he was bad at expressing himself. Yeah, yeah. Because I guess when baby Alan does then open up to him later, he reciprocates. Maybe it's Mm. just a weird dad-son thing of not communicating. Yes. Okay, as I talk about it, that's not bad. That's not bad. You're all right, Jumanji. You're all right. You're all right. You're all right. It's pretty heavy going for a kid's show. Yeah. Yeah. It was controversial at the time. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's probably a little – because thematically it's pretty – even not is it just scary with the – Monkeys and the I think plants. I but yeah. It's also pretty grim. Like this kid's mm. got no friends. He's got the girl, but he's got no friends. He's getting beat up. His dad's an arsehole. He's getting sent to boarding school. But all Parents of those die. get fixed to the end. Yeah, so it's all okay. Yeah, but mm. I don't think I saw that end. See, maybe I watched it on TV and just never saw the end. Oh, this, is, this is going nowhere. Because I, I was like, yeah, it is pretty grim. But then it all gets wrapped up in a neat little – they even save the parents. Ah, yeah. Think yes. of going on a ski trip. No. No. That's pretty funny. You crash and die. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, in terms of this being controversial for kids, I, I I don't know. Like the Dark Crystal Labyrinth, that shit mm-hmm. is the kind of thing that would terrify me as a kid. Not it this. It did. And it did. <laughs> Dark Crystal. I didn't see Labyrinth as a kid because of Dark Crystal, I mm. think. I assume. Puppets. Oh, they look so creepy, man. Mm. Yeah. It's like Uncanny Valley a little bit maybe with those. Mm. It's like these dead eyes. Hey, we mentioned Robin Williams before. He's in this movie. He is. And uh, this is some great anecdotes from on set. Yeah. He was a delight. He was. He was a real delight. And so Rat Boy, um, Monkey Boy, mm. I thought he was a rat. And that's ridiculous. meant to be a monkey. Yeah, it was not the best looking monkey. <laughs> he just dipped his face in plasticine. But apparently it took 3.5 hours every day to get that shit on his face. Not worth it. And yeah, he's a twelve-year-old kid, so he, this is him talking about it. He's a twelve-year-old kid, and he had to do that like, you know, it's forty days or something mm. in a row. But he said Robin Williams would come and sit with him and keep him entertained, give him tips because he just done Mrs. Doubtfire and how to like, you know, deal with it, and just generally cheer him up. Yeah, good little egg. Um, Joe Johnston, the director, was worried about having Robin Williams because he's known to improvise and that kind of yeah. thing. He was very respectful of the clip. Mm. Uh, Bonnie Hunt's a bit of an improviser as well So they they recorded it as scripted For a couple takes And then they had a chance to riff a little bit Mm. I don't think that much riffing made it in Mm. Um, But in their between sets as well They would just do improv together And keep everyone entertained That's fun Uh, That's cool So they all had a great time And every Monday night I think they shot in some of it in Vancouver And every Monday night He would go to stand up at a local comedy club Mad. And some improv and stuff, like three hours total basically. Get his fix. Yeah. And his kid was there with him and he would take the 
the movie kids with them to go watch a movie and they're like, it's just lovely. Yeah. Just what a lovely man. What a lovely man. So lovely. Yeah. And the town, uh, apparently he was a legend around the town. Yeah. He was obviously doing his improv. And I think that was the other that was, town. No, that was New Hampshire. Yeah, yeah, that was the other something, town. Something like that. He'd give tips everywhere he went. Like he was a bit of a god. Uh, Everyone was just like he'd stop and talk to strangers in the street. It is an interesting – I never thought about it that much before but I think since doing this podcast and as you read into different people – like Bruce Willis, for example. Yeah, they go either way, don't they? And you're like, oh, that's disappointing. This is one. This is a bit of a counter situation where it's like, yeah, mm. what a legend. Yeah, nice guy. Nice guy. Sweet, sweet man. Yes, he is. Although I, you know, there's a lot of um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't even call it controversy because it's almost like it's just accepted. I met, I heard Joe Rogan mention it once, and I looked it up, and it's a couple of no real A-lister comedians saying this, but Hughes is still jokes. But it's almost like I'm not going to say no one cared, but it was just like, oh, that's just what he does. Mm. I think he's just the kind of guy, though. You see him do any interview and he just riffs. He's yeah. probably just the same way we're, half, we'd make a joke where we're just doing a Simpsons quote. <laughs> like mm. Maybe that's his version of just, you know, mm. regurgitating. It's just coming out, pouring out of him. Yeah. And, he, and as you say, he goes 100 miles an hour. So Yeah. yeah. He's just, just pulling references out, out of it anywhere. Yeah. Um, I don't think he puts it into his act or anything. Mm. So whatever. Whatever. Yeah, he's a Whatever. good man. Leave him alone. He's a good man. Can we talk about the sequels? Yeah. Um, Have you seen both? Let's <laughs> try it. So I mentioned the first one I quite liked. I'll go, why don't I go through the Rotten Tomatoes for each to set up that the context? Good. Because it's interesting. So I mentioned this one, 55% critic score, 62% audience score. Zathura, which came out in 2005, had 76% critic score. 51% audience score. So they did a little switcheroozies. Yep. I'd never heard of it until today. Uh, I'd heard of it but never seen it. Yeah. But it's early John Favreau, so I think it might be good. Um, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, 2017. Critic score of 76%, audience score of 87%. Mm. Jumanji, The Next Level, 2019. Critic score, 72%, audience score, 87%. Really? I couldn't watch that one, man. I, I sat through it. I mentioned the first one. I think we both liked that. Yeah. That was quite good. And in terms of re- – this is the kind of reboot we would pitch on this show where it's like, okay, the 2018 version of this movie, make it a video game. That makes mm-hmm. sense. And it is – in hindsight, I didn't really think about it at the time. It's not just a reboot. It's a sequel. Like it starts as you see it mutate yeah. into a video game. Like that's a good way to do it. Yeah. I and thought it's, through. And it's such a clever evolution of the 95 version was this, the new version is this, and then for the next one to just be like – yeah. I think the next one should be some other form of reinvention. Like maybe you make Sathura now. <laughs> I just wanted to get the, get the script get those guys back. get the monies. Got to get the monies. I couldn't, I couldn't get through it. I think I was messaging you at the time. I think I was, know why. Why are you getting The Rock to uh, – hey, I'm, I'm the first guy that would love if The Rock had more range. But trying to get him to do this Danny DeVito thing – it was hard to watch. So hard to watch. I, had, I couldn't watch it. I don't know if it's the whole movie. Does it eventually switch or it something? It switches, oh, okay. yeah. You, you turned it off before it switches. But it switches back to normal. So Jack Black goes from being the young African-American kid to back mm. being the young um, cheerleader type. Yeah. Which is – And I think Jack, Jack Black does a pretty good job of avoiding any kind of problematic uh, – He's so good. <laughs> He's great. Oh. I was thinking that when I was thinking like, well, the new one, they should have just made Zathura as the sequel. 
so another video game, but it's a space video game, whatever. Yeah. But I thought, how can you get Jack Black in there? <laughs> he needs to be in it. Yeah, <laughs> he's he's a treasure. Yeah, yeah. I think the, the for me the secret sauce in the second and well to lesser extent third one mm. was just so I like Kevin Hart in in yeah, non lead roles. roles. Yeah, because yeah, I think he's great, but he's quite intense. So yeah. I don't know, it gets a bit much for me. Yeah, but in this, he was like he was good. He was great. It was just like the, the they were all perfect. And you just yeah, the first the, one. yeah. I thought it was good. And it's a great concept and then you get to use all the tropes of video games. Like it, mm. it's beautiful, mm. beautiful. You even get Colin Hanks in there. Yeah, why, why don't not? we get more of him? Yeah, more Colin. More Colin. So that's all great. And then even besides the Danny devito of it, it's just, uh, it just wasn't all that compelled. Mm. <laughs> but the first one I was, I was like, yeah, this is interesting. This is something different. It does. Oh, I mean, adding Danny DeVito and Roger Murtoff. Murtoff. Mm. Into the mix is that's cool. It's great, but maybe they should have played Zathura instead of Jumanji, and then had other actors. Yeah, fair, them. fair. Yeah, I don't know why it's scored so high. It's scored very high. Yeah, yeah. I it, do get why. Well, the rocks in it. <laughs> yeah, people can't get enough of the rock. Surely we're reaching a tipping point now. Well, I mean, I was. I've been very much a team the rock <laughs> guy for a long time, but I'm getting to the point now where I'm like, oh. Maybe a bit less. <laughs> a bit less rock. A bit less rock. A bit less the rock. A bit more Dwayne. It's like a Ryan Reynolds too. Mm. Every saturation. Saturation. And uh. then when it stops selling, then we stop doing it. Yeah. We don't go, no, that's the sweet spot. Get the Dallas talk. <sighs> Dallas, not a sweet spot. <laughs> Man, this is why I respect Marvel, I think, are pretty good at doing a bit of both. Mm. They, yes. They probably release a few too many movies and there's probably a bit too samey-samey in there. But they take risks and they try new things. Ant-Man. Ant-Man. WandaVision. Have you watched WandaVision? No, of course not. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> it's good. Wonder Woman was on TV last night. Yeah. I saw a good 10 minutes of it. Yeah. Oh, is that why you texted me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, Gal Gadot. Gal Gadot. She's, she's a bit of a specimen. Bebe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Anyway, should we get into the verdict? Yeah. Right. I don't know what to say, really. I don't remember asking you a goddamn thing. I am the I'd like an answer to the question, Judge. I want to have them answered immediately. You can't handle the truth. What are you waiting for? Ah! Say what again? Say what again? I dare you. Nothing further. Your Honor. And that's all I have to say about that. Overall thought, this movie's all right. <laughs> this is this is a real three out of five stars. For yeah. Me. It's fine. I probably won't watch it again. Maybe mm. when I have kids. Mm. Um, and those kids turn into teenagers that can tolerate such <laughs> yeah. violence. I um I don't dislike it. It's just fine. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's good. It's all right. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, probably have it. I'll have a little higher. I think I've got more nostalgia attached to this film than you mm. do, obviously. Yeah. Given I wasn't sworn off it by my um, primary school I don't library know who teacher. Was, yeah. Um. I so my mum. I don't know. Maybe. Maybe. Yeah. Look, I've got a lot of nostalgia. Nostal- I've got a lot of nostalgia for it. Mm. I think you're right. That it's pretty patchy in its um, CGI sort of yeah endeavors. However, for me, that's just part of the film and it's part of the charm. Yeah. Those ugly monkeys. Yeah. 
Um, so yeah, I'll give it slightly. What did you give it? Three. I'll give it. I'll give it three and a half. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Do we go through any of our little? Yeah, um, let's go through the, the uh, little things. Yeah, the Simpsons. They did it, did they? <laughs> yeah. When I'm pretty sure it's the Canyon Arrow episode. Oh. Um, and Marge is driving around in the F series. Oh yeah, Canyon Arrow. Yeah, it got the lipstick holder. <laughs> um, and uh, I think so, there's a breakout of the um, zoo and there's a stampede. Oh yeah, and the, the Homer and the kids are going to get crushed. And they're getting chased. And he's like, I don't know what to do. And he turns around and goes, Jumanji. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing happens. <laughs> Doesn't even happen in the movie, does it? No, really. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> it's pretty funny. Um, so that happened. So that's a That's good. That's a pass. A porn parody, yes. Oh, yo, I didn't look it up. I just assumed not. It's good. Yeah. Jumanji's. Oh, of course. I think it's based on the newer version, though, because oh, I look yeah. like the chick. Oh, yeah. Uh, Bechdel test, yes. I think so. They talk about stuff. Yeah. Oh, even the mother and the – yeah, they. I mean the auntie, Auntie Bebe. Fe, FX test. Now, if we're – now, I'm not going to tell you what to think, but for me – What? But here's what I think, and I, I think I, you should agree. And I, speak, I think I definitely speak for both of us when I say – a uh, broader context of this is like I'm trying to uh, be harsher on things because we, everything can't be a pass. And I think this is one of those ones for me where I'm like there's some things that age and it adds to the charm and t- sometimes that leans better towards practical effects. Um, but they do date, right? So I'm not saying practical effects are always better. But in this one it is a bit of a fail for me. I think the monkeys just tip it over the edge. I'm, I'm happy for you to uh, – you've got a more objective view yeah, because the nostalgia goggles are yeah, off. Yeah. yeah. Um, but that doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. The goggles do nothing. The goggles do nothing. Um, I didn't do recasts, did you? I didn't. Yeah, because there's the new there's ones the anyway. There's new ones out. And, and then I was like, if they made the thrower, who would be in it? I don't know, space people. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, um, like that guy. That's Chris Pratt? Oh, who's Swedish spaceman? The tall Bond guy from Things. It's got a dad that's an actor. Skarsgård. Yeah. He's in that show I mentioned too. Of course. Yeah. It all comes together. Yeah, put him in there. Yeah. Why is he a spaceman? Uh, he's got slicked black blonde hair. He's got blonde. Yeah, blonde. Yeah. So I, I said black, but I <laughs> slicked back blonde hair. Yeah, he could be a good spaceman. I think he could. He looked good he's in slender. a spaceman hat. Hat helmet. <laughs> I think you need to be slender in space. Yeah. Slender. Slender. It's tear space sugar. It's not from sugar. sugar. Anyway, MVP, I'm actually going to give it to Jonathan Hyde. Oh, that's nice. I thought it was good. Yeah. As, especially as the hunter. Why not? I'm going to give it to... I mean, Robin Williams was obviously good, but we're going to do plenty of other Robin Williams movies mm. where he's going to be better. So. Yeah, okay. I don't have anyone. <laughs> uh, that says it all. The board game. The game. <laughs> there you go. What are we doing next week? Better. I don't even know. We haven't chosen. We've Ooh. got our list, but we haven't. We've got a few things up in the air because we're trying to get the calendar going with the guests and such and that dictates a little bit what movies we're doing because we let the guests choose. We do. Um, but, you know, something will be coming next week. Yeah, another movie. Another movie. From your childhood. From you. Your, yours. The listener. The listener. Um, 
If you haven't already, we'd love if you could leave a review on the Apple Podcasts. It helps us um, get a little boost there in the charts there. Check out Pop Critic, new video up. Check out the merch store and go about a happy life. Um, Go for a walk, smell the roses. Mm. Have a good time. Watch out for the mosquitoes. Watch out for giant mosquitoes. They'll get you. They'll get you. Stay inside. Outdoors is dangerous. Oh. Bye. They're conflicting messages. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, bye. Ah. Uh.